Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things electronics, engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and 3D printing. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 313, Lucky 13. So uh, we're going to be talking about 3D printing today uh, and kind of uh, a little bit further into, is it time for me to get into it? Uh, is it time for me to actually get a 3D printer? Um, uh, just the other day, I texted Parker sort of out of the blue. No, not sort of. It was completely out of the blue. Completely. Because you've... Uh, so we'll back up the clock a little bit more about this. Is Steven has historically been against hobby 3D printers. Let, let, let me Let me amend that. Against is not the right word. It's just I haven't had a purpose or a use for them myself. Like I'm not against other people using them. I mean, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, yeah. That's that's the wrong word. I would say you haven't been impressed. God, there. That's that's good. Yeah, that's right. Impressed enough for me to spend money to get one. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah. I, I, so out of the blue, I texted Parker the other day and I was like, if I had say four hundred, five hundred dollars. Could I get something decent? Could I get a 3D printer that could actually, like, that, sh I shouldn't even say that because a $100 printer will actually work. But uh, today I want to explore with a budget in that range, could I get something that would meet uh, some requirements that I'm looking for? I, so we can kind of go over those requirements and figure out a little bit further, is this something that I would be looking into? Yeah, and I responded with the normal thing we do on this podcast with it depends. <laughs> of course, right? Um, and the first question is, what do you want to do with this printer? Because that dictates everything about what tool you buy. Well, and, and here's the thing. So so just a moment ago, we were saying, like, I haven't been necessarily impressed or impressed enough to, to build anything with a 3D printer or to purchase a 3d printer until recently parker um uh, just not that long ago parker's been doing some things where i'm like okay that's really cool okay that looks good okay that seems like something that like i could get on board with and i that would be really useful or something that you know if i were to print something and then utilize it in a prototype people aren't going to immediately point at it and be like that's not part of the prototype right uh or like that's not going to be in production right like i those, those are the kinds of things that make me avoid 3d printing is like it everything kind of looks uh homemade and not great uh to the point where like if i'm gonna make something 3d printed i want it to not be the focus because it doesn't look good uh, and I've, I've just been in that situation too many times, uh, that whenever I, whenever I show people prototypes now, like I won't show people something that isn't really close to looking like the final project product, because I hate the conversation of like always having to hedge things and be like, well, don't, don't pay attention to this thing or don't look at this thing that's not ready yet. And I feel like 3d printing, uh, although it is like amazing what can be done, it doesn't meet that threshold yet, or at least it hadn't in my mind. And then I started seeing some of the prints that Parker's been doing more recently. I'm like, okay, we're getting there. And and I want to back up and say, like, I don't want to sound elitist or anything in, uh, at all in this way. Like, I'm not crapping on 3D printing. I'm just saying, like, those are, those are criterias that matter to me is having something look good enough that I could show it to someone and they don't immediately crap on it. You can spoof a production part. 
Exactly, exactly. And I feel like some of the stuff that Parker's been doing more recently has been really close, if not exactly that. So that's what it started getting me thinking, like, okay, would would now be a good time for me to get a 3D printer and to start thinking of uh, different approaches to how does uh, how I could design? Because like, I haven't even considered 3D printing as an option in, in my designs or even even prototype stuff. Uh, but if I had one available now, I could start thinking of like the, the ways that 3d printing allows you to do things that other forms of manufacturing don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, another tool in your toolbox exactly. of how you design and prototype and build things. Well, and, and I think manufacturing's changing and I want to be go along with that i want to uh, have the knowledge of 3d printing in case say if i work at another job if I, and and they are more into 3d printing i'd love to have that skill set uh, and the skill set needed in there in my opinion is just the like the ability for your mind to consider options that are only available to 3d printing because right now whenever i design things i design things with cnc in mind or just whatever my circuit boards can do or if i need to you know uh farm out to a fab shop uh sheet metal stuff i, I think of i think of those as my options but you know i'd love to be able to open that as a as a just a new tool in the toolkit you know mm -hmm. exactly yeah i mean that's that's why i ended up getting one um was to add that to my toolbox of ways to design and build things. And it does. It's like the same thing as, oh, I think we said it on the previous podcast. Um, we're talking about welding. Mm. And once you learn how to weld, like, a, like MIG welding, it just opens up how you look at projects. Instead of having to fasten with bolts everything together, mm -hmm. like a, 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 a frame structure, now you can effectively hot glue it together with steel well um, actually i think a great example is is look at the past probably two or three years of the projects that both parker and i have done i have had for years access to really nice cnc machines and so i utilize them a lot but i don't think you have had as much no uh, or, i mean you've had access to them but i for me they're basically free to use so yeah, i utilize me, them a not. lot whereas you don't utilize them as much and so that that really impacts my choices as to what I do. Um, and, and one of the big things that I'm thinking about with 3D printing is at home, a lot of the projects, well, virtually all the projects I do are one-offs. So it would be really great to have a machine that is easy uh, to utilize to create one-off things uh, that can be implemented into the designs. And I have a lot of projects lying around so uh so yeah that was one of the one of the things i was thinking about um one particular project I'm, i've resurrected from the grave i've always had an idea for doing some wire harnesses they could be 3d printed that hold wires in particular ways and and i think that's a perfect example of where 3d printing goes is is exactly like what it could be used for especially given that I'm never going to build another one of these. It's going to be one thing and it's from for me only and I would love to hold the wires in a particular way. And I could probably make something out of aluminum. I could probably even make something out of wood, like very, you know, simple if I wanted to. Or I could design something directly into um the product or the 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 not sorry, the the project using a 3D printer and that would probably be the easiest actually. So that's sort of what, what kicked this off in my mind, where it's like, okay, 
I'm not itching to spend the money, but if I had the money, like what, what could, what could we start looking at here? So since that your budget is 400 to $600, yeah, somewhere you're basically that. looking at two technologies that you have access to. You get what's called FDM or fused deposition modeling or, um, yeah, which is basically, uh, that's the, your material the is solid. Laser. Yeah. Your, your, your material is on a roll. Yeah. Um, of almost like, looks like wire and it gets heated up in a nozzle and extruded out and then it cools back down in whatever shape the machine is moving in and whatever tool path is moving in. And then you have SLA and this is like LCD based, um, SLAs, which are UV based and use a basically a, a curing resin and you expose each layer as an image across an LCD and it cures each layer. And then that's how it builds your, your, your model up. You, that's basically the two that you get in that price range. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both are, um, it's amazing what you can do in that price range. It's amazing what you can do with each of one of those, but they do completely different things yeah. in that price range. Yeah. Right. And especially when you were talking about, you want to, Get as cl- you want to get ninety percent to a production-looking part. Mm-hmm. Even my, so I have I have both of them. I have an FDM and a a SLA resin printer. And um, most of the prints I think you are impressed with come off the SLA printer. Yeah, because yeah, they do. So. If you, I think I don't remember where I said this, but if you on your design. This is a tip for everyone out there. If you, on your design, if you just add a little bit of like a draft angle to everything, so not everything's ninety degrees, but like make think about it as it was coming out of an injection molding machine. So you add a little draft angle, and for some reason, it makes it look more professional. I don't know <laughs> why, it just does. And I'm not the only one that thinks this. I think we said this a couple of years ago, and. Um, uh, I think it was Derek in chat said that that they did that same thing and it was just like, like half a degree, project maybe made. one degree. Yeah, just a little bit, and mm-hmm. it just for some reason your eyes do subconsciously pick it up, and for some reason it just it tricks your brain a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it, but FDM is always going to have layers because yeah. of how you're you're laying down a a circular uh, material down because it comes out as a thing about toothpaste. Right, you're kind of squeezing you it to- out into a layer. Yeah, you're squeezing out. But so when the toothpaste is on, it, it makes a round shape when you extrude it out on the surface. And so when you put two cylinders on top of each other, you have a ridge there. And it's not really, there's some technologies to get around that. Like you can use... Um, post-processing smoothing which is like um if you're if you're using like abs plastic you can do like a vapor bath in acetone and that will basically smooth the outside of it right. now it, it kind of melts lose, the outside right yeah you're melting the outside together now you lose dimensionally accuracy you, you lose some accuracy there and precision with your part but it's mainly used for like sculptures and that kind of and, stuff and it also makes them kind of glossy right or does it depend on the 
base material. Depends on the material, okay. but yes, it will make it glossy sometimes. Um, now, the great thing about FDM, this is why I still have my printer, is you get you can get a lot of bed space, mm-hmm. and for not a lot of money, and the variety of materials, and your prints are going to be stronger out of an FDM versus an SLA. Um, at least a hobby SLA, because I've never used a high-end SLA printer um, that uses di- that. Some use lasers to, to fuse everything together. Some use uh, different wavelengths of light, stuff like that. Um, but an FDM printer on a hobby level, like I print in polycarbonate. Um, that's actually all I print on my printer. I, I don't print PLA. I don't print ABS. I just print polycarbonate because I am printing brackets, functional prints, that kind of stuff on it. And I'm not printing Christmas ornaments, for example. Which, which, um, I, you know, I have to admit, like if you go search 3d printing on, um, whatever, Google, YouTube, whatever. Yeah. I feel like I feel like a disservice is done to how amazing 3D printing is because what it does is it what what you what you the results you get seem to just be a bunch of people printing a bunch of toys. Like it's it's almost everyone printing like action figures or like anime figures or like mechs or something and don't get me wrong, I love that. That's freaking cool. But it you're not selling these the thing as like a practical device you're selling it as a toy maker and i think that does it a disservice because I, you know if i had a 3d printer i probably would print something like that because it's cool but that would not be its purpose yeah a lot of people get into it because of that they want to make custom models like i made a a star fox r-wing mm-hmm. but you can't buy an r-wing model so i i printed one um yeah, you do get a lot of people getting into it that way, which is fine. Um, I just don't think I got into 3D printing not because of that. I needed to build custom bracketry and designs and housings and stuff like that. That's exactly what I, I'm looking for. Yeah, and so FDM is honestly really good for that. Except that it won't, it will never look like a non FDM printed part, right? Unless you do a lot of post processing like filler and sanding um, and sanding so i don't like you can try reducing layer height which is the z a z hop basically uh, in between each layer you're still going to get those lines there's mm-hmm. honestly not a lot of way to get around that right um in chat they're mentioning tpu which is like a really flexible uh filament and that's actually what i want to try doing next because tpu has a really high temperature melting point which my polycarbonate machine has a really high melting point too i'm probably actually just going to get another one of these and set it up the same way as my polycarbonate machine that's one thing that if you switch materials a lot it can be annoying because you got to purge the the filament head and um tweak a bunch of settings I honestly set my printer up and dialed it in and just it's done. Like it prints the material I like. Right, <laughs> I'm never right. never going to change it. So I I'd rather get a, another printer actually just to print TPU. That's just how I view it as a tool. It is not my hobby 
to have a 3D printer. Some people treat 3D printers as a hobby because they like to experiment with different materials. They like optimizing every parameter about it, um, which is awesome because and I can go look at their stuff and like get the best ideas. Um, but I treat mine like a tool. I honestly, I also have it set up on a print server using Octopi. So like, I honestly don't have to get out of my chair. I just like tell it to turn on and I send the G code like wirelessly to it and it starts printing. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Um, but yes, FDM, you're never going to get to your quality like that. Uh, a long time ago, I printed that 45 degree uh, microphone bracket for you. Yeah, that is honestly that looks amazing out of an FDM printer. It looks like a really good part. That is what you're going to get out of an FDM printer at best. That's 0.2 millimeter layer height. Right. Um, so a lot of people like to do 0.1. I think 0.1 it just takes forever. Doesn't look any better than 0.2, and um, it prints twice as slow. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Now, point one, you might do that because you might have some Z resolution that you need point one at that point. Like you have a features that you need that. But most of my stuff is it's brackets and that kind of stuff. And I'm not doing super complex uh, geometry shapes out of it. Um, now, my SLA printers are LCD based. They're Elegoo brand. Um, and those have never like those immediately impressed me one from how honestly setting up the settings like i honestly just use the defaults on those printers and they print um the downside is there's a lot less materials that you can use out there there's like there's like resin and then there's like abs like resin which i haven't tried yet um but i have tried like the super strong materials in quotes. And yes, they are stronger than most of the other resins out there. They are still nowhere as near as strong as like a polycarbonate print off my FDM printer. Mm. Um, if you, I, I want to look up if there's a way to like relax an SLA print. Cause the problem is they're actually really strong in a different way. Whereas like an FDM, most plastics will bend and then break. An SLA print kind of is super rigid and then shatters like glass. It's super almost. brittle. Super brittle. Almost like, um, uh, that, like, like kind of like that naturally occurring glass with like when lightning hits, um, the ground, you get some of those naturally occurring glass where, it's super like bubbly and shiny. And if it drops, it like splinters in a bazillion pieces because it's so under tension. Mm -hmm. It's like that. I was honestly shocked when I dropped something and that's my first SLA print. I dropped it and it exploded into like a thousand pieces. Hmm. And it was sharp pieces too. Like it was not a, a fun thing to clean up. Um, but you don't get layers. So and 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 what I have experienced in the past with with a few things that I've three D printed, um, 
on FDM with layers, you have, uh, what is it? Uh, I guess de de depending on how you apply the stress, like stress against the layers is, is actually the weakest point on it. Now with, with an SLA style, do they have like directional strength or is it like I haven't uniformly found strong? there to be any directional strength so far. Got it. Um, now, there probably is if you go on YouTube and search for it. That, that probably is. I haven't experienced it. F, uh, yeah, uh, shearing against the layers is the weakest point on an FDM for an FDM for sure. Yes. Yeah. So SLA is different in that sense. Uh, in my experience, that could be completely wrong though, because I've I haven't like empirically tested that. Right. 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 Um, now, so that that's 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 where it gets into. It's like. If you're making um, a knob for like a stomp box, mm -hmm. and it's a knob that um, you're not going to be using in production, but you want it to represent what it could be like in production, honestly, SLA all the way because it will look like an injection molded piece of plastic. And I think I think uh, like, it, but for like my personal. Uh, projects like my pedals that I put through on the floor, I could throw an SLA knob on there indefinitely and it would be fine and it would work out fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And also it's not as weak as you would think. It's just, they break differently. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some people that are experimenting with uh, mixing. You could, this is actually the crazy thing with resin is if it cures at all the same wavelengths, then you can technically mix stuff together and then tweak set. I haven't even gotten near that yet. Yeah. But you can like That's scary. some people have <laughs> taken some flexible uh, resin and have mixed it with regular resin to kind of loosen up the print, so to speak. And mm -hmm. so it's less susceptible to this shattering effect. I really want to try that. Just haven't my printers are like nonstop printing stuff for work right now. So I haven't even had time to mess with that yet. Okay, you know, um, actually let's 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 talk about that for a second. Cause I, I wrote out a list of like I was thinking earlier today, I was like, okay, if I were to get a 3D printer, what are the things I would get it for? And I came up with a handful of things and uh, and and maybe this will help guide one way or the other. So actually what's funny is most of these things are actually for my job, but I would love to have the capability for you know mm -hmm. whatever is necessary so jigs and fixtures like if i design a product at work that could utilize a nice thing where like you put a pcb in it and it holds things in place well i solder in place or well i snap something else in place a jig or a fixture for that that i don't have to mill from a block of aluminum because that's a giant pain in the butt uh some a 3d printer would be awesome for that i think now the other thing was i had mentioned earlier on one of my projects like wire harnesses things that hold you know, cabling or things like that. I know I could loom things, but if I had something that looked nice and like held in a particular way, I, I, I like that idea. Um, one other idea I had was, um, uh, I was actually talking to Parker about this a few weeks ago, was a was a, an air manifold. So if I have like a computer fan and I want to create a manifold off of it that, that guides and directs some of the flow of air across some heat sinks, something custom like that, I think that would be really cool to 3D print. Uh, and then one other thing that is would be really big uh, for me is testing adjustments to injection molded parts. Like right now, I have a part that we've been getting injection molded for a handful of years, and I have some ideas on how to adjust the parts to make it easier when we utilize it in our products. If I could just print some of those ideas, like 
I, I want to adjust the uh, some aspect of it, and I'd love to be able to try different angles with without having to physically modify my mold. Uh, so doing using a 3D printer to try like I don't know five or six different variants of it, pick whichever one works, and then send that off and say like, hey, make the mold this. Uh, I think that would be unbelievably valuable. In fact, just alone, if if I could get a 3D printer to just solve that one problem right there, it would be worth $500 because uh, I would save $500 worth of labor on my team just from the problem we're having with the, the what we already have. So like those are the kind of concepts I'm thinking about. And so, so like some of those uh, ideas seem really better suited for fdm like a jig or a fixture to hold things because it can be big enough but it can be big enough and that that's what i that's why i use my fdm for right but testing a small injection molded plastic uh part ain't ever going to happen on an fdm i'd never get the accuracy no. or anything that's sla uh so the the question i think as long as the material doesn't matter sla <laughs> for that well, I mean, I I would be testing purely dimensional stuff. Yes, yeah, then so. you're fine there. Yeah. Actually, can can you print clear things in SLA? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's clear resin. Okay, that would be really useful because I'm I'm There's talking some about some resin that's like insanely clear. That'd be cool. Like the only reason why you if you dunk it in water, you only really see it because the refraction is slightly different. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's nuts. That would that alone would be really helpful right there. Uh, for for some of the stuff because I'm talking about light pipes. We're making LED light pipes. Uh, and so oh, you could, can totally make custom light pipes. You know, I should try that. I should get some of that resin and try some uh, custom light pipes out. Yeah, I we, we we get injection molded light pipes. I would love to. I I want to chamfer an edge, basically, not chamfer. I wanna I wanna make a portion of it conical. Um, right now we don't have it conical. Um, so that alone, if I could actually 3D print a clear one, that'd be awesome. So there's a, there's a divide here is if you're not using it as a structural part, the resin sounds like the good way to go for you. The only problem is in your price range, SLA printers are not as big as FDMs. Like my FDM is 200 by 200 by 200 millimeters, which is like 8 by 8 by 8 inches roughly. And that's about um, 500 bucks, And then my... Right? Mars 3 Elegoo is, I want to say 7 by 4 by 8 or 9 inches, okay. somewhere in that range. It's like a small shoebox stood up, right? A really tiny shoebox, actually. <laughs> I was what about to say be? like a kid's shoebox. <laughs> yeah. Um it's a, it, no, it's a box for one shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was right. A shoe box. Yeah. Not shoes box. Oh, yeah. One shoe. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, like, it's funny because like half of my stuff is one style and half is the other style. And, and here's the yeah. thing. Like if I were to. Okay. Back to my original uh, thought of like if I'm putting something on a prototype and I'm going to hand it to boss man and say, hey, this is what. I hope to make something look in the future. I would never even think about FDM. Uh, that would have to be SLA. But if if I dreamed up a, a jig that was, you know, two foot by one foot by an inch thick, you know, you know, obviously you'd have to print multiple pieces. 
that would be a nightmare in SLA, right? You'd have to print a oh, yeah. gazillion pieces and glue them together, and then it looks awful. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because like when you open your mind into saying, okay, here are the things that uh, that 3D printing allows for. Well, it splinters and it gets into uh, yeah, like. It's having the going back to the beginning of the podcast is you have to have the right tool. You have to, yeah. And right. that's I started with FDM. I had FDM only for six years, and then uh, and then I finally broke down and got an SLA. And then I was like, now I can do. I, I it's like getting another toolbox now, because now I can right. print so many different things. So, so here's here's another. I, I have this under my hopes and dreams category because uh, I just wrote this list as as hopes and dreams, uh, and and I have to admit, watching Parker play with his 3D printer when I was at MacFrep, he always had one on his desk, and and I even printed a few things on it. And and what I mean by I printed them is I handed a model to Parker and he pressed go. Yeah. And, uh, but and you're talking actually the one that you're I had was my Mono Price, right. uh, which is my polycarbonate FDM printer now, right? Which was. Um, three hundred and fifty dollars when I bought it. Yeah, and then I put a what's called an all metal hot end in it so I could increase temperature. And then I put in a uh, octopod, uh, basically a, a Raspberry Pi in there to control the print server side. And then I've got a flexible metal bed that pops off so I can like snap parts off. I didn't have that when when you were at the fab. That's more of a recent thing. Mm. And I would say at the end of the day, probably $600 printer right now. Yeah. If you added up all the parts I put into it and all that good stuff. And yeah, back then I was trying to figure out how to print polycarbonate out of it. And so I was tweaking the snot out of it. But I haven't, honestly, I haven't adjusted it in like three years now. <laughs> well, but, 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 okay. So that goes to one of the, one of the points I'm, I've written down here. One of the things that if I was to buy a 3d printer, um, a big hope and dream would be that it only requires the initial setup, the initial calibration and whatever maintenance is necessary. I don't want to have to purchase other crap. I don't want mods. Like I watched Parker go through like 10 different prints of like cooling fans and things that like that oh yeah i was to. trying to figure out how to make like i watched well, Parker I struggle it... for years to just try to get it to print something reasonable and and it got there but i wouldn't spend 500 dollars just to add a project you know i want to spend 500 dollars to have something that prints out of the box and i understand that's really ridiculous when you go to no no you no, you're correct when I got this printer, I wanted to print polycarbonate. Right. You had to modify the hell out of it. And so uh, in, in my price range, that didn't exist. Exactly. I don't know about now if you can buy off the shelf for $600 an FDM printer that can print polycarbonate off the get-go. Because you, you need a hot metal. You need something that can print, what is it, 270 Celsius. Yeah. Um, and then you have to have a heated bed that can at least go to 110. And it needs to be enclosed. You have to have an like enclosure around it. Oh, that's the other thing. I have like plexiglass sides on it. Right. So like, it and that's also something you had to purchase. Yes. That that's in that $600. I, I put together there. You see, and I think one of the big reasons why I'm even where I'm at now is because Parker had mentioned that he bought this Elegoo Mars, turned it on. It did just print. And the prints yeah. I saw come off of it were fantastic amazing yeah, it's honestly amazing yeah so that's that's the point where i'm like okay well so i think i think that's that's sort of 
guiding my decision towards like, okay, if I were to buy it, SLA would probably be it because it seems more one-to-one. I buy, it works, you know? Yeah. Uh, although those, with SLA, you also have to buy a washing or, or you have to have some way to wash it. And then you have to have a station. curing station. So yeah. uh, you have and to if you're using water wash, you can get away with not having a washing station. Um, since I, I use water wash for most of my prints, because mm-hmm. honestly, I'm a little lazy in that regard. But if I need to print a, quote, strong, unquote, print, you have to wash it with basically 99% isopropyl alcohol at the end. Mm. And I have like a, what I do is I have, I take my ultrasonic cleaner, I put the rubbing alcohol in the jar, put my print in the in the jar, close it up, dunk it in ultrasonic cleaner, let it run for like 10 minutes, take it out and toss it in the cure. Yeah. Um, so that works. Um, but yeah, that's the, pro- that's the downside with SLA compared to FDM is FDM is seriously like the moment the print's done, I get my like hot glove and I pull the metal off and pop the print off and I can put the thing back in like the bed back in there and then start the next print and the print is I can use it right then. Whereas SLA, you have to post process it with washing um, and then you have to dry it as well. So I just use my. I use my compressor and just blow all the water off the board, off the uh, part, and then I put it in the cure. Hmm. Um, so that's the downside to SLA. And there is more nasty post-processing. Um, so, and as as Craft Lab in our Twitch chat says, FDM has improved though, just like SLA. Um, Craft Labs SLA. Uh, printer is in pieces because it was a pain in the ass to get working um whereas now you can go like i did off amazon and just buy one and it works uh, same thing with fdm though you can buy one and it just works it depends on what materials and like if all you care about is printing like pla or abs like you don't need to print polycarbonate you can you can buy like something in that price range that will just work for you mm-hmm. and it will just work like they have gotten that good. Yeah. I was trying to print polycarbonate on a machine that was never designed to print polycarbonate, so I had to upgrade some stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if $600 even gets you a printer that can do what this printer does yet. I don't know where the high temperature um printers really start to come in to. Well, let, let me show I'd you I'd love to be able to be quick. like because right now my plan is to buy another mono price printer just like this one and then modify it the same way to print TPU. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to be like, oh, I can just spend $600 and not have to do all that work and just it prints TPU now. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and maybe I'm asking for too much. Uh, and that's the whole purpose of having this conversation. Uh, no, I don't think you're asking for too much. It, you're looking for the right tool. Exactly, exactly. I'm looking for the tool that meets the most amount of my requirements. So so check this out. Okay. Um I'm I'm sending Parker a link, but anyone can uh can check this out. Uh if you go to playwood.it, P-L-A-Y-W-O-O-D.it. Uh I saw these the other day. They're they're like 90 degree connectors that allow you to basically bolt together furniture 
Uh, and they're, they're basically 90 degree fingers that look almost like they're 3D printed and uh, they have a little Allen screw on them. And, and this was something that I was like, okay, I have some ideas that I could do in my basement for uh, organization. And uh, I, I looked at the price of these and then I was like, what, what if a 3D printer did something of this sort? Um, like that seems really fairly simple to print and, uh, and really uh reasonable to do and you and given the price of just buying these in packs versus printing them i don't know what that would look like but my gut feel is 3d printing would be cheaper to do these kinds of things and that's not my goal i would say you would definitely want to fdm this yeah this would not be an sla thing and you'd want to put a insert into the threaded part 100 percent uh, yeah, 100%. Do you press in an insert or design some way that a nut could be in it? Uh, yeah. You, you can do captive nuts. I would just do a heat threaded, like a, a heat insert. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the easiest way. That's what I always do. Um, so if I were to go with an SLA, this would not be a good a move. You think? You, no, you, it would probably shatter pretty quickly on that. Okay. Okay. These are things I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I would love to try with an SLA printer, and also the like the the strong X uh, resin I have. It would be interesting. It's just the strength of SLA prints have never impressed me so far. Hmm. Uh, but again, they look really nice. Like I made, um, uh, talked about in podcast. I made those pin gulps, or that's like the branded name. Right. But I made cup holders for my pinball machines. And I FDM printed one out of polycarbonate, and I made one on my resin printer. And the resin printer one looks um, like it looks like a product you get on Amazon. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Now the FDM one is the same model, but it's got lines, and honestly, it does still look really good. I put them on both. I put one on one machine, one on the other machine. Both have not broken yet. <laughs> so take that for whatever it means. Take that for whatever. Drunk people playing pinball have not broken either one. Mm. I don't think the polycarbonate one is ever going to break though, because like that thing is dense. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and and so you know these are the these are the kind of things that I'm weighing. Like, I would love to be able to 3D print something of this sort, but maybe it's outside of the realm of one or even both machines. My printer could definitely, because I'm printing polycarbonate, could definitely probably replicate that. Okay. I would say. I would be pretty confident that making a part that works for that. Okay. SLA, no. My SLA printers, no. And I would say even you'd be hard. If you printed that out of like a Joe Schmo PLA printer, probably not going to be strong enough either. Right. Maybe ABS. I, I bet you they are ABS. Oh, probably. Actually, no. It says high-tech reinforced heat-resistant plastic. So probably not ABS. Hmm. Could be uh, glass-reinforced nylon. Which they do. You can get FDM that is glass-reinforced nylon. Which is kind of cool. Just thinking about the process of how that works, that's got to be hell on the nozzle. Right. Yeah, you get a so most printers, especially in this price range, they come with uh, brass nozzles, and you have to get a uh, steel hardened nozzle. I was about to say yeah, because like 
hot glass and plastic being shoved yeah, through it. It's just like that just probably destroys the nozzle. Yeah, mine, I've got a 0.4 millimeter, which is the standard 0.4 millimeter nozzle diameter, and mine's a hardened steel one. And I do chuck it every so often, but it seems to be fine. Hmm. I'm only printing polycarbonate. Polycarbonate doesn't require that kind of nozzle, but I was in there doing the, you know, the, uh, the uh, hot end upgrade anyways, and I was decided to do the hardened steel because it doesn't uh, change really anything. I guess you may might be co- a cooler nozzle because it's it doesn't transfer the heat as well as like brass would. Mm. Um, doesn't seem to matter though. You can calibrate that out. <laughs> well, speaking of calibration, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, what, what what is needed on both FDM and SLA for calibration, and how often do you need to calibrate? All right. So this is just my experience. Once, um, so on my FDM printer, I have an auto bed leveler. I have a BL Touch. Basically, it goes around and. It's like you're seeing CNC machine where it goes around and profiles right. the the finds the edges, profiles the surface. That's another thing um, you had to purchase for it. Yes, yeah. that is also in that six hundred dollars that I quoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much I've spent on this printer, um, and so what it does is it goes around and probes the entire surface and figures out how flat in quotes it is, and so it can adjust and it lays that map out on the Z axis so that. Um, when it drives over, it always keeps the same distance between it and, and the nozzle and the surface. Um, you could do it the other way, which is like you have to basically zero it out every single time and like adjust it with springs. And you can adjust it with springs and little knobs. That's how I used to do it. When you saw me do that, whenever I would set up a print, I had to get a piece of paper and like slide it underneath the nozzle, all the corners to make sure it was level. Mm-hmm. I got rid of all the springs and just have aluminum spacers and just cranked them down and Loctited. And so all it does is it uses the touch probe to calibrate it, uh, the Z offset. Now, you also have to calibrate like the XY driving, like how many steps is a millimeter, for example. But once you set that, it's good to go. You never really have to change that ever again. Um, so I haven't calibrated like a calibration for my FDM printer in, I want to say three years at this point. Like I even put a new bed on it, my new flexi bed, like metal spring bed. I didn't even calibrate after that. I just let it run hmm. and it was fine. Um, so yeah, you can tweak it. I basically dial. I basically printed cubes, calibration cubes, and basically went, okay. I designed a twenty by twenty by twenty millimeter cube. It printed a twenty by twenty by twenty millimeter cube. I'm good. Uh, I guess if you ran it a lot, you can get belt stretch and that kind of stuff. But you should probably just replace the belt at that point. Um, the SLA printer, I. What kind of calibration would there... So there's... Okay, so there is one, and it's basically the Z offset. It's almost the same thing. The big one is the Z offset. Um, and there's a calibration routine where you basically, at least on these printers, is you have a piece of paper down. It goes down, touches it, 
I guess it has some kind of like torque sensor on the motor because it knows it touched it. And then you tighten the head up, do it again, and then take the paper out and you put your resin vat in there. And you can, when I first started, I was zeroing it out between each print. I stopped doing that and it's been fine. <laughs> I basically set it up. I zeroed it once and it's been fine. Like I will take it off, take the prints off and put the head back on and tighten it. And it, it seems it to be goes fine. Right back to the same place. Yeah. I, I think you could have issues where like, if you, if you, if you drop the head, you could probably mess up its calibration between the mount and the, tr- it's gonna, the tram. It's got pivot. Right? Yeah. You could mess up the tram and then your bed would crash into your LCD panel and probably break it. Mm. Um, but as long as you don't drop it, I, I don't see any reason why. Like, it just keeps working. It's, um, um, yes. Um, there's also calibration. In, it's the same thing with FDM, though. It's calibration of materials. Um, so once you change them, because each printer is different. Like, you can get you get a starter list of values, and you have to slightly tweak based on your... It's like your CNC machine. Like, if they tell you a value and you go, well, that works, but it's slightly better if you do it this this one parameter this way. Mm-hmm. That's where you get at. Um, but honestly, with the SLA printer, since I'm using off-shelf resins that are like the same manufacturer as the printer, I just use their defaults and it works fine. Um, haven't had any problems with it yet. Um, yeah, calibration is as deep of a hole as you want to go on. I did for my FDM printer, since I only print one material, I did a lot of research on that one material and set up my printer for that. Right. And that's where like, I kind of refuse to put any other material in it. Cause I don't want to go through that again with this printer. It prints amazing. Don't mess up a good thing. Right, right, right. right. You're done basically. Yeah. Which is completely opposite of how most people use 3D printers. A lot of people like to use different materials, different colors, that kind of stuff. And but again, I'm using it to print polycarbonate brackets, so and jigs. That like different use case. I don't. In my mind, I don't see a huge need for different colors. I don't see a huge need for diff like sparkly materials or anything like that because it's not my intent to make like sculptures with it i want to make fixtures and jigs and and things of that sort so i'm more interested in getting the numbers right getting dimensional accuracy as best as i possibly can get calibration as best as i can and then just run with it yeah so with i bet you there is a way you can design with dimensional accuracy in mind um what i found out with my two printers is it is better for me to design something and I'll put a little like, Oh, this is probably cause I'm not a mechanical engineer either. Right. This I'm an electrical engineer. So my, I, I'll put in some tolerance of like, Oh, maybe half a millimeter or maybe a millimeter might be enough. I don't know, but I'm going to try it. And I print it and I go, did it fit well or not? <laughs> Well, I mean that that right there is the beauty of 3D printing. Like you can yeah, make a mistake and then you just press go again. Yeah, you can tweak it and, and press go again. Um, I have found 
with my FDM printer, if smaller features tend to, it's also because I'm also printing with polycarbonate that's really hot and you have to uh, smush the layers together to get really good adhesion. So you don't have delamination, which is, you know, uh, which is, you're talking about shearing on the lines. That's called delamination. Um, and so to prevent that in polycarbonate, you have to really squish it together. And so might not be more, if you're printing a PLA or ABS lower temperature, this might not be applicable to that. But smaller features like holes are the big ones. Like once I get to a certain size on my FD printer, like the holes just don't They're really holes. show up anymore because yeah. it's just smooshed together. Right. Whereas on SLA, like I've printed like a half millimeter. No. How big is that hole? Half millimeter hole. And it was fine. I've, I've seen SLA prints where people print like full on, like really usable threads in. Oh, yeah. In I, I print um, the smallest threads I printed that were usable so far were M3 threads. M3 is great. Yeah. Yeah. M3 coarse. What's that? M3 by. I don't remember. 0.5. It, yeah, half, half millimeter, I think. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, yeah, it's been fun. So that again, it depends on what you, you should just buy both. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. I, I love it. Macrofab can sponsor me and that would yeah. be great. <laughs> I, well, I feel like it really depends on what's the most important. What is the most important for you? Would it be to be able to use it to show off your latest prototype or is it because you want to do functional brackets jigs fixturing like honestly wire harnesses like i'm talking i'm thinking like you're talking about like standoffs and that i'm thinking, I'm that thinking like, like fasten okay. the harness to or or like a block that had holes in it that that you could pass wire through or things of that yeah sort. like in my opinion that's would be awesome for fdm yeah. as well yeah uh, because it is inside the cabinet and it's not something that everyone would see so you can get away with an fdm printed part um so it's it's one of those what's more important there hmm. right it's really tough it's it's tough because i could see applications for both and the problem yeah. is i wouldn't if i was going to spend the money on on something like this i wouldn't want to like divide and buy two bad ones yes well you're in that budget range where you could it, it can be really good or really bad <laughs> exactly <laughs> on the brand exactly and that's like the thing is like uh, in my mind i i i kind of have a budget put together where it's like okay could i get some if not most of the things i want out of one or the other for this budget if the answer is no then like i'll just continue the way i've been going but like if i can get that extra tool in my you know tool chest this like that'd be great but it has to meet the requirements or it'll just sit on my shelf and i don't want a five six hundred dollar thing yeah, sitting on my I shelf agree. yeah um from a you learning about it fdm is a really good way because there is a lot of different materials and you can you learn more about the process itself because mm -hmm. you get to tweak more you can tweak more of the machine mm -hmm. like the settings it's like a cnc machine I mean, it is one, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas a SLA resin printer is not a typical CNC machine. It has exposure time. 
<laughs> that sounds fantastic. The thing is, SLA is the first 3D printer. That your SLA is the first 3D printer that made me think maybe I want to spend money on it. So you then get get a SLA and just you just have to live play with in the, the smaller play in those size. constraints, right? Yeah, playing the constraints. The, the the idea. Okay, so those play wood connectors are the first thing that I've thought of, where I'm like, okay, I would like to 3D print something that has strength, but this these might even require more strength than a um, uh, FDM would be able to provide. Yeah, I would say my polycarbonate could do it, mm -hmm. but a normal FDM printer in this budget range probably couldn't uh, print that hot to make a uh, a material like that. Um, Again, I don't know. I don't know where this budget range, and it's been six years since I bought an FDM printer. Where in that range, a six, does a six hundred dollar printer now have a all metal hot end, and does it have a a enclosure, and does it also have a bed that gets up to one hundred and ten degrees? Think about it. You can boil water on my bed, mm -hmm. on the uh, my print bed. <laughs> Assuming so. your the bed could dump enough energy into the water. <laughs> That's also the thing is it probably can't. Yeah, it gets a, it's <laughs> enough for it to get to 110. Yes, it's enough to get it and the surface on top of it that hot. Right, right. Putting putting energy. So, water takes a lot of energy to get to bring it up. Okay, um, so how about consumables? Let, let's just talk real quick okay. about those. So in FDM, you have spools of material, and then in resin, yes. you have jars of goop. Jars of goop and. Also, in that you have the cleaner, right? So if you if it's water, it's water. If it's uh, if you need a solvent, it's the solvents. Um, whereas FDM, you don't typically have unless you're doing smoothing. But we're not talking about that. So you just have your material. Um, that is that is the only consumables I can think of. Um, oh, in SLA, you have you should wear gloves. So that's a consumable item, disposable gloves. Um. Yeah. That's so, about so it. what about what about the price difference between the consumables, or are they comparable? Like, where? What do you? They are. At? I think FDM for the less expensive materials like ABS and PLA are a lot cheaper. I think you can get like a spool of PLA for like fourteen dollars, which is insanity to think about. Um, now I print with polycarbonates, which is a lot more expensive. And I think I pay $140 for a three kilogram wheel uh, spool. So it's like a normal spool you think about is one kilogram. Mm -hmm. So I, I get a triple size one, which is basically the biggest my dry box is, uh, can hold. Um, oh, that's another thing to think about is... Uh, once we get past consumables, um, we can think about the end price. Whereas the goop, a kilogram of goop is like forty dollars for like the normal Joe Schmo stuff. Yeah, I'm so looking it is on more, Amazon. a little it's more a, expensive. It's like thirty, forty bucks ish range. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive for the goop. Um, so now that's one thing to think about is my FDM printer. I have a dry box. Basically, it's a enclosure with like just desiccant bags at the bottom as whenever I put a new spool in there I just put new desiccant in there and it's ready to go whenever like it's already hooked up ready to go like I can start to print like right now whereas the SLA printer you can really only leave that resin in that pool for a 
about 24 hours after you last print, and then you kind of have to like mix it up again because it this it settles out. Mm. And so that's honestly that is the biggest downside I have with my SLA printers is I can't treat it just like a printer. I have to go in like actually I need to start another print after this podcast and I haven't printed anything on this one um, in like a couple days and that means I need to pull the resin out of it pour it back into the bottle basically all of it back in the bottle shake it back up and then pour it back out kind of a pain in the butt I mean it's only like five minutes but it's one of those but you have to do it I have to do it whereas like my FDM I can just print go and it just does it (laughs) sure sure yeah so it's half laziness half uh, reoccurring maintenance (laughs) well and speaking of maintenance in general uh, do you feel that these machines are you know, once you have them up and running, they go or like take, for instance, with the FDM, do you have to grease the rails uh, on occasion? Like yeah, what so kind of maintenance are we looking at on my my FDM? Every. I don't know. I Whenever I feel like it, I guess once a quarter. Like, <laughs> yeah, once a quarter. There you go. I, I do clean the rails, uh, the slider rails on it and then relubricate them. I use. um Honestly, oh, we talked about this. I use Hops number nine gun, oh, gun oil. oil. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because I just have a bottle of it, and I'm like, I wonder if this will work, and it still runs great. Okay. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you should use like a degreaser, and then like three in one, or some other kind of like sewing machine oil. Honestly, Hops number nine has worked pretty good as a jet, like combo cleaner lubricant. I just. Put a little bit on a on a lint free cloth and just wipe them down. It pulls off a bunch of gross stuff and then just, it runs. Keeps running. That's the only. That is the only maintenance I do on that machine that's reoccurring. Now on the SLA, don't know. Don't know what kind of maintenance we're looking at. I think the LCD panels do wear out. I've read that, though I can't really find any like evidence of like this is how many hours you get at an lcd panel mm-hmm. i haven't really found that uh you know anything like that at all hmm. i've been printing on one of these for like co- almost constantly for the past like six weeks now minus a week when i was out of town and it still the parts look just the same <laughs> that's impressive that's that's a yeah. that's a big positive mm-hmm. right yeah. It just keeps going. Now, I bet you my FDM would do the same thing. I just don't print that often on my FDM. <clears throat> hmm. Sorry, I got a little frog in my throat. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a lot to consider here uh, because what's funny yeah. is after an hour of talking about this, so I did some prep beforehand where I wrote out my hopes and dreams about what it is and my budget, and then an hour worth of talking about it, I feel both closer and farther away from an answer. Craft Lab brings up the the big one on on SLA printers. I completely forgot. I was going to mention it. I just forgot. Is at the bottom of your resin tank on SLA printer, there's a really thin film. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the material, but that will wear out. And what I've been doing is between each of my print, I 
I don't know where I read this, but I just rotate my resin bed around. And so it like prints evenly in quotes, like rotating your tires on your car. Uh, FEP, yeah, FEP material. <clears throat> and that does wear out, but that's, I think you can get like five sheets for like 20 bucks that fit these printers. So it's not, I mean, it's a cost. I haven't replaced them yet. I did buy a box of them just in case. But you haven't had to. I, yeah, I don't know when they wear out, though. Like, they do start to get cloudy. Hasn't really affected the prints yet. Hmm. So I guess I'm going to keep running it until, I guess, my prints stop printing well. And then you replace it. Yeah. Or I guess maybe you can rip it if it, like, sticks too hard. The print sticks too hard to the FEP material and then it, like, rips the plastic which would be disastrous by the way because then you dump all your resin all over the place Ugh. i guess that's another downfall we, get a sp- we haven't talked about the fact that the resin stinks right yes the resin does stink a little bit um i'm out here in my garage so i have a lot of ventilation and i also have little carbon filters uh inside of them you can get these little like towers that are like usb rechargeable and so I just I have two of them and I just swap them out every every day. Mm-hmm. And well, honestly, I can't smell them. If I and, if I were to get an SLA printer, it would live in my basement. Or if I were to take it to work, it would be in an office where nobody is. So I don't think yeah. that that's much of a concern. And it depends on the resin, like but the strong X brand stuff I have, like is is potent. Like <laughs> I. When I printed that, bold. I put it. Yeah, it's bold. I actually put it in the garage properly um, because it stunk so bad. Wow. Now the water wash stuff stinks a little bit. That's about it. And then once you put the enclosure on and with the little carbon filter that I have in there, mm-hmm. it is fine. You don't really smell it. Like I had these printers running, and then I had uh, Chris Craft and Ben Heck in town, and they couldn't even tell. So. Oh, that's cool. But I had the carbon filter, so the enclosure lids on it, and inside there, it's purifying itself. So you can't even tell. So yeah, it's a lot to think about. Um, I do recommend it because it is another tool in your toolbox to have. It's just thinking out which way you want to go. Um, if what is more important in the end of the day is basically in your case is strength and build volume more important than something that looks nice that you can show off as a potential MVP prototype. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Um, that's that's the hardest part. Like I feel like if I were to just pick SLA is the one that comes to mind because it fit it matches the uh, prototype makes things look nice kind of thing. And when I'm working on my own stuff, I would want it to look nice. But if I wanted something to be able to make jigs for things at work, the SLA doesn't make much sense at all for that. But also, I've gotten this far without having a 3D printer for anything at work, and I have a monstrous CNC that if I really need a jig, I can just mill one. Um, yeah, so, so you might want to start with a... A uh, SLA, yeah, and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's and and actually come to think about it, um, 
the dimensional accuracy of a 3D printer will never be as good as my CNC. And so if I'm making a jig and I need to hold, you know, sub one thousandth of an inch, I can do that on my yeah. on my jigs. I like how in your hopes and dreams you said one mil accuracy. Yep. yep. And I just typed it out LOL next to that. Hey, it's um, a hope and a dream. You know, that's that's the, yeah. the that's as much as the other day I was actually calibrating our machines and I was holding one ten thousandth of an inch on this thing on my CNC's. So like, I, you know, if I need accuracy, I'll do that. You know, Th that, that does bring up a, a quick point and, and I won't belabor this very long. What kind of accuracy just gut feel? What kind of accuracy do you think we can hold with a three 3d printer? My FDM probably does. Well, you got to think about on the Z axis, it's 0. 0.2. Yeah. Well, because that's the yeah, well, less than that, but it's less than that. But yeah, you are, that's the what resolution. You are, yeah. Uh, the layers is point two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what the screw drive accuracy and positioning is. I would say it is in that range, though. Like point one to point two is probably the accuracy of that machine in all dimensions. Okay. Like when you, if you pull, if I printed a twenty by twenty by twenty millimeter cube, it would probably be plus or minus. Point one to point two. So in freedom units, we're talking uh, five thou to ten thou is the overall what you can expect. Yeah, probably. I was, I should check it. I should after this print a calibration cube and just see what it turns out actually being. Um, SLA printer, no idea right now. I would love I would love to know if if you could print a twenty by twenty by twenty on both machines and then. See which see one's actually closest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. I, I'm thinking SLA is the most repeatable because the thing that determines its XY accuracy is a screen, and that's not changing, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, well, that has less chances of error. Yeah, I right. Say. I guess I guess the biggest error on an SLA when it comes to that would be in your Z direction because that's the one thing that has the most ability to change. Yes, and it, it's a screw drive. Right. So. Right. Whereas with the, uh, yeah, they, with, if, if, if the day is a little bit more humid or if something goes off, your FDM can be different, right? If you are, if you have your material exposed to your atmosphere, then yes, for sure. Cause your, your filament will absorb, absorb moisture, excuse me, which is why I have a dry box. Right. The dry box is saying it's 12% humidity inside that box. Yo, did you wait? Do you keep your spool in the dry box and it pulls from the box? Oh, yes. that's legit. Okay. Okay. And it has actually a straw that like goes all the way into the printer. <laughs> so like the F, the material is never actually really exposed to uh, the environment. Well, and, and uh, actually come to think about it with SLA, it's resin that has to be cured and it has shrinkage, right? Um, earlier material resins did. I haven't really found that to be a thing anymore. It could still exist. You know, let's test it. I'm after this podcast. I'm going to throw the same STL mesh file of my calibration cube to both printers. Yeah, and just see what happens. You know, uh, and and if you wouldn't mind, do this on the SLA. When the SLA is done, but you haven't cured it, wash it, measure it. Measure it again after you cure it and see if it changes. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, I've we'll seen that. figures anywhere from point, point 0.2 to like 1.5% shrinkage. Somewhere in that range yeah. based off of your resin. It could be material. It's definitely material differences yeah. or how long you cure it for. Yeah, it's a chemical process. So, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's one more thing. <laughs> one more thing before I sign off of this podcast yeah. is if you are, uh, depending on where you're going to use your prints at, uh, if you are, if your part is going to be outside, you can't use SLA because the sun beams UV at it and it will destroy that resin. Really? Now, most materials off your FDM also get destroyed by UV, like ABS, plastic, and PLA, but there are UV resistant, like polycarbonate. The best thing about polycarbonate is it's naturally resistant to UV. And I've had prints, polycarbonate prints outside for years, and they look almost still brand new. So, still haven't broken yet. Mm. Whereas, I bet you the moment like a resin print stays outside for like a week, it'll probably be so brittle that uh, you touch it and it would probably shatter. I could be wrong about that, but I'm going to guess that's what would well, happen. Well, when you're done with your little calibration cube, set it outside. I would. It's been it's been like cloudy for the past couple of days. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I will set it outside. But just get, just torture it for a week. Anything outside yeah. in Texas is tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think mosquitoes will bite it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or have something to add to this 3D printer discussion, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab at Longhorn Engineer or at Analog ENG or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. And also our live stream, which is every Tuesday at 6 o'clock Central. It is twitch.tv slash macrofab. Come hang out.